Bible. We'll be in Deuteronomy 7. That's where we're going to start tonight. We're going to hit quite a few passages, Lord willing. We'll start at Deuteronomy chapter 7 tonight. beginning of the chapter, we're going to look at uh, verse 1 through 6. Uh, it says this, Deuteronomy 7 verse 1 says, When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, and the Gergesites, and the Amorites, and Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou, and when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them, and utterly destroy them, thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them, neither shalt thou make marriages with them, thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son, for they will turn away uh, thy son from following thee, that they may serve other gods, so will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and destroy thee suddenly, but thus shall ye deal with them, ye shall destroy their altars, break down their images, cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word tonight. Thank you for its truth, Lord. I pray that you would help me to be able to preach. Lord, help us to, to be able to see the truth in your word and to apply it to our lives. Lord, I thank Thank you again that you've watched over us, Lord, and I pray uh, that you would help us tonight and help me to preach. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. 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 So God made it very clear to the children of Israel, this is before they were going to go into the promised land, before they were going to take that land. Uh, there were groups of people that already lived, and you know all those names, some of them harder than others. But all those people already lived in the promised land. So even though God gave them that land, it wasn't just that they were going to walk in, set up camp, and that was it. They had to drive out the people that were already there. And the Lord makes it clear. He says in verse 2, uh, first he starts out that I'm going to be the one delivering you. It is me that brings yeah. the victory. Uh, but he says, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. He says, I don't want you to leave any of them left. And you know, uh, people see this, especially people that don't like, uh, that hate God and that are against Christians. They will take verses like this uh, and they will say, look at how mean God is. Look at how nasty uh, God's people are and everything else. But we will see uh, uh, as we go through today uh, or through tonight, through this message, Lord willing, we will see why God said to do this. And he said, not only that, he says, utterly destroy them. But notice in verse three, he says, I don't want you to make any marriages with them. Now, this is silly. Why would he even say verse three if he already said to get rid of every single one of them? He knew that they weren't. He said, even if you let them stay, I don't want you to marry them. So he was making it clear. Uh, I, I do not want this to happen. He goes down uh, and he even says in verse 5, once you've got rid of all the people from the land, I want you to get rid of their altars. I want you to get rid of their idols, their images, their groves, their graven images, 
every single one. I want you to cut it down, burn it, destroy it, break it, whatever it takes to get rid of it. So not only do I want none of those people left, I don't want any of their false worship left. I want everything taken care of. Uh, because why? Verse 6, because thou art a holy people, because they're with a holy God. But... Here is the problem. If they don't do this, look at verse 4. That's the warning right there. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. He says, if you don't do this, if you don't utterly get them rid of them out of the land, if you don't utterly get rid of the false worship and everything else, if you don't do that, Who's it say is going to turn against you? And who's going to stop following the Lord? It says thy son. I think that's important right there. He says, hey, uh, you may not turn away from me, but the next generation will. Yeah. You see that? They will turn to these false gods. And then, of course, when you, uh, whenever you trade true worship for false worship, uh, the end of the verse, the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. Judgment will come every time. So not only does it talk about that in Deuteronomy 7, but if you flip a few pages over in Deuteronomy chapter 12, uh, he's giving again uh, uh, the instructions again. Verse 1, these are the statutes and judgments which ye shall observe to do in the land which the Lord God of thy fathers giveth thee to possess it all the days that ye live upon the earth. Ye shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nation which ye shall possess serve their gods upon the high mountains and upon the hills and under every Every green tree, ye shall overthrow their altars and break their pillars and burn their groves with fire, and ye shall hew down their graven images of their gods and destroy the names of them out of that place. Ye shall not do so unto the Lord your God. He says again, I don't want any of that false worship left. Every bit of it you need to get rid of, break it down, uh, you know, eliminate it. You know what they would want to do today? They would say today, let's build a museum, right? Let's study it. Let's write a book about it. Let's do a documentary. Let's do, let's make a YouTube video out of everything. And God said, no, I don't want you to do any of that stuff. I want you to totally get rid of it. I, I mean, smash everything, burn it, get rid of it. And in fact, what blew my mind is verse nine, destroy the names out of the place. I don't even want the names of these false gods to, to stay any longer. It, are you starting to see how serious God is. He says, I want it wiped out completely. You know why? Because if it doesn't, it'll come back yeah, every yeah. single time. And verse four, he says, ye shall not do so unto the Lord your God. It's a little strange wording in that verse. But what he is saying right there is, I don't want you. Maybe, maybe here's your plan. Maybe you get rid of all the false gods. Maybe you get rid of everything that they have in the land. But then you decide to copy the idea, Right. I won't worship their false idol, but I will make an idol and say it's the Lord, yeah. right? Like, like a golden calf or something like that. No, he says, I don't want you to even do that. You want to know why? Because we serve an invisible God, right? He's a spirit. That's why we have to worship him in spirit and in truth. He says, I don't want you to make a graven image. I don't want you to make something that looks like the earth or looks like the heaven and say it's me. I'm invisible. You know how you worship me? Through faith. That's how you worship, through trusting, through the spirit. Uh, there is no idol. There's no visible thing that we can point to and say it's the Lord. And he says, don't you copy the way these heathen do it. <clears throat> and then if we turn a little further in Deuteronomy, closer to the end, 
Deuteronomy chapter 32. So if you get near the back, uh, Deuteronomy 32 and uh, verse 16, we see this. Uh, it says, they provoked him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations provoked him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up whom your fathers feared not. So this is Moses. Moses is about to die. He's giving them the final warnings before Joshua is going to take over and before they go into the promised land. Remember, Moses wasn't allowed to go into the promised land, uh, but he is giving them these final words to the people. And he reminds them the last time you turn to idol worship, this is what happened. All you did was provoke the Lord to anger, and, uh, and, and, and destruction came, judgment came, and everything else. But one thing that's interesting, Deuteronomy 32, 17, it, or 16, it's talking about them worshiping strange gods. Verse 17, they sacrificed unto devils. And you know what he's saying right there? Even though it looks like a little statue you're worshiping, right? Even though it looks like some grove or some pole or something like that, you are literally worshiping a devil. You are worshiping yeah. a demon. And you fast forward to the Roman times when, when Jesus was around and they had those amazing huge temples there in Rome, right? To Diana and to Zeus and everyone else. Huge, beautiful structures. And then inside they'd have this great uh, stone uh, carving of, of what they thought that God looked like. And people would go worship that thing. And man, look at how beautiful it is. Hey, there's literally demons behind it. That's what the Bible's saying right there. That's who you're really worshiping. Uh, these uh, people will say, well, it's harmless that I have this little golden Buddha. No, it's not harmless. That is satanic. And that's what he's saying. In fact, you could go down to Ashley. And you got the White Lily Chapel down there uh, that's doing a dinner every Wednesday to raise money and everything else. And then they have a church service afterward. Or they call it a church service where they may talk to the dead tonight and they may not. And I, I looked it up. White Lily is a dead Indian from years and years ago uh, that they speak to and that's what told them to institute the whole thing over there and that uh, it may seem harmless and you may think you're talking to the dead you're just talking to demons that's all it yeah. is that's all it is that's that's what Moses said he warned them he said do not do what your fathers did because it led to ruin he says don't follow that path of false worship when you get into the promised land so then what happens? Moses dies. Joshua takes over as the leader and he instructs the people. I love what he tells them over and over. Be strong and have a good courage. And he says, you completely follow the Lord's instructions. You trust him for every victory and the Lord will give victory every time. So then they send spies to Jericho. That was the first big city, the first walled city that they were going to encounter. And remember, uh, they, they send spies in there uh, and then they, they were hidden by Rahab, the harlot and she tells them I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you and then later as soon as we heard these things our hearts did melt neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you for the Lord your God he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath and what we see right there is the uh, here's the problem uh, if you've been in the spot of the children of Israel right you know that God has given you this land but you have to take it, right? You have to fight. You've got to, uh, uh, you know the Lord's fight for you. But then when you look in the distance, you see Jericho. You see the high walls. You see the thick, uh, you know, I don't remember how wide they were, but I think chariots could ride across them. They were about as high as a wall. 
tall as a water tower, and there were two levels of walls. So if you got past the one, then you'd have to go uphill and go past the other wall. There's no way you're breaking that down. There's no way you're getting through Jericho. And have you ever been there before? You look at a problem and you're thinking, that is impossible. There's no way that I can do that. But then on the inside, Rahab the harlot gave us a little inside. While we might be a little afraid of the problem, see, on the inside, they're petrified because not because of God's people that were great number because of the God of God's people. He said, we saw what you, we heard what you did to Egypt. We heard what you did to those kings and uh, uh, those two kings. We've heard what's happened. And then when we saw you coming, our hearts melted. We had no more courage, no more strength. And that's what we need to remember. The devil wants to roar at us. He wants to scare us. He wants to get us to quit and and be afraid and be paralyzed. But in all reality, uh, uh, just a Christian that is in prayer, that is in God's word and that is walking by faith scares the devil to death because there's nothing he can do. So then they, you know, the, you know, Jericho fall by faith. The walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. So we know that story. They fell. Rahab was saved uh, miraculously because she trusted God by faith. Also, she hid the spies. Uh, and then so the next place is Ai. And remember, uh, in Ai, we, we think about Achan. He had taken stuff from Jericho when he shouldn't. But I see the bigger problem is Joshua never prayed to the Lord. He never went to the Lord. He never asked for instructions or anything. Thing. And at first they're saying, well, we'll just send two or three thousand. Yeah. They send three thousand men. Uh, they start getting defeated. Yeah. They're running back. They're crying and pounding to the Lord. And the Lord said, hey, uh, you need to quit crying and you need to repent and you need to get rid of the sin in the camp. That's what he tells them. So then after they get rid of the sin in the camp, they go back to Ai and they do what God told them to do. And there's no problem with that. So then after that, they go on a conquest for several years in the next few chapters uh, of Joshua. They go first to the southern territory. Uh, Caleb gets his land. They go to the northern territory. Uh, uh, you know, they, they start to cross everything and they really uh, get across and they get to the point where they're done. Uh, and, and we find out they weren't fully done. There was there was an area left that they should have conquered, but they just kind of, they said, well, this is good enough. And Joshua 13, 13 says this. Nevertheless, the children of Israel expelled not the Jeshurites nor the Machanites, Machathites, it's hard to say, but the Jeshurites and the Machathites dwell among the Israelites unto this day. And this is just one of those examples. There's another passage, I didn't write it down, that gave another couple people groups that they let stay. Now remember what a Deuteronomy 7.2 said, you need to utterly destroy them, get rid of every single one of them, don't make a covenant with them, don't let them live, don't marry them, don't do anything, get rid of them. But then we get to Joshua 13, 13, after their conquests are done, and there's a couple groups of people that they let stay. Canaanite people, they let live, and here's what they said. What we'll do is instead of fighting against them, we will let them live and live amongst us, and they'll be our servants, right? That's the key. We will make them our slaves. They'll do our hard labor. They'll do the things we don't want to do, and everyone will be fine. You know, the Lord never told them to do that. That's the problem. He never said to do that. He said, I want you to utterly destroy him. And remember, Deuteronomy 7, 4, what did it say? If you let them live, I'll go back. 
for they will turn away thy son from following me that they may serve other gods so that the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. He said, hey, they're going to turn away your children. And what did I say? What did I say before? It says they will cause your sons, your children to turn away from following the Lord and to serve other gods. In fact, the Lord right there said this is the devil's strategy right here. Right? That's it. I may not be able to get to you, but I want to turn your children, children. away from the Lord Amen. and turn them to something else. Yeah. He doesn't even care what they turn to. He doesn't say a specific God. He doesn't care. You can have one God. You could trade it out for another God. He doesn't care. You could serve yourself for a while and then serve some other made up God. You could make one up yourself. He doesn't care as long as you don't serve the one true and living God. Fast forward in time. 1 Kings 14, 22. And Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord. And this is just one example of many. And they provoked him to jealousy. That's God. With their sins which they had committed above all that their fathers had done. For they also built them high places and images and groves on every high hill and under every green tree. What do we see? They disobeyed. Remember God said before you even get the promised land, you utterly destroy them. They got there, they left some of them stay, and they said, no big deal, we'll just let them stay, they'll be our servants. And then you fast forward in time, what do they have? High places, images, groves, and everything else. Do you remember what was going to be in the land at the beginning? Remember at the very beginning, I gave you two different passages, and what did he say? I want you to destroy their altars, break down their images, cut down their groves, burn their graven images with fire, and in the other part, overthrow their altars, break down their pillars, burn their groves with fire, hew down their graven images, and destroy the names of them out of the place. You know what that tells me? They didn't do it. They didn't do it. And because they didn't obey, what happened? All of that false worship crept right back in, and the problem was it used to be false worship of those groups. Now it's the false worship of the children of Israel. Do you see what happened? Slowly over time, they ended up adopting all of the false gods that the Lord said you need to get rid of. Because remember, he said, if you don't, they're going to take your children. And that's exactly what happened. And one of the things that uh, I've been studying some different things about Israel and the Holy Land and everything else. And, and I have read, just like in this passage, many times it talks about high places in the Bible, you know, and it's connected to false worship. You see groves, you see high places and different things like that. And, and you know, it's one of those things I really had no idea what it really meant. You know, and it's one of those things in my mind, I, I imagined something like maybe a big high mountain with some kind of temple with some kind of thing on it that they would go up there and they would go worship, you know, just kind of making something up in my mind. But then when I was doing some studying, I realized something uh, this teacher was talking about and actually showed some pictures of what a high place really was. And in all reality, it's something very small. In fact, it's, it's about the size, a lot of them were about the size of these tables, just a couple of feet high. Now imagine if I laid them out long ways, just a few feet long, a few feet wide, and a few feet high, just a little platform. That's it. And what they would do is they'd either put an idol on there uh, or they would put, it looks like an old tombstone, you know, those round tombstones, and they'd kind of carve a picture of an idol, either way, in stone. So what they would do is they would have these everywhere, and one of the big places they had them was at the gate of the city. 
So any of those cities, they would build this little high place in this either idol or this or this uh, kind of headstone looking like thing uh, with the carved idol in it. And what would happen, you think about this, if you're going in and out of the city, you're walking right by that thing every day. Over and over again, you're seeing that thing. Time and time again. And see, what happened is it would have started slow. Because remember the Canaanites, uh, those groups that they let stay, uh, they would have destroyed a lot of the stuff. They would have got rid of a lot of the things, broken down some things. But slowly through time, the Canaanites would have reintroduced those things, right? They'd have said, hey, uh, why don't we just put this thing up? Uh, why don't we just... So it wasn't like this uh, enormous temple or anything else. It was just this small little thing. And, and I, was, I was thinking about this. Uh, you know, it wasn't something great or spectacular, but they were everywhere. Now, one of the problems was uh, it would be usually the local god. And one of the most popular ones was Baal. You see that in the Bible over and over again. Now, Baal was the god of fertility, rain, and protection. So imagine you live near a town that's got one of these things. Now, imagine you're an Israelite and you're a farmer. Okay. And it's kind of like it is now. It hasn't rained in a while. Maybe you get to a period of drought. And what do you need? You need rain. And maybe you have some animals. What do you need? You need them to reproduce. That's how you keep going. That's how you make a living. So you need the fertility part. You need the rain part. And then protection. They're surrounded by enemies. You really need everything that Baal had to offer. So you're an Israelite. Now you're praying to the Lord. You're saying, Lord, we need rain. Right? Lord, will you bless my cattle? Will you bless my sheep so that way uh, we get more of them and I can sell them and everything? And sure, I'm going to give the best to you as a sacrifice. Lord, will you bless it? And Lord, will you put a hedge of protection around us? I mean, praying like we would today, a little differently, but, you know, praying that their needs are met. Now, imagine you're that same farmer, you're headed into the town, and you see that idol. Now, remember, Baal, fertility, rain, protection. Now, one of the other things that amazed me is I thought, well, maybe they bowed down to it. Maybe they did some extravagant thing. That's not what they did. All they did is they were walking up to that thing. It's kind of like either tip the hat or just kind of nod at it. That's all they did. And all that little nod was is just saying, hey, Baal, will you help me? Will you send the rain? Will you protect? Will you give us more cattle or something like that? And I'm thinking, how simple is that? Right? They weren't doing some sacrifice with fire. They weren't doing some extravagant thing. They weren't crawling on their knees. Just tipping the hat. That's it. Now imagine you're the farmer. You've been praying. Right? You've been praying to the Lord. The rain hasn't come. You know, you've lost a couple animals to disease. It's not looking good. Uh, maybe you've heard the news and there's a, there's a tribe near you that's getting agitated that might come attack and you're worried about everything. Now think about all you have to do is think about, you know what? There's a lot of people around me that have been trusted in Baal. Why don't I just tip my hat today? Everyone else is doing it, right? I see lines of people coming in. They're just traveling through and they just, you know, they just tip the hat. Am I going to do that? Because really, what are you doing? You're just hedging your bets, right? Either, either the Lord will do it or answer or Baal or answer. One of the two will answer. But here's the problem. You pray to the Lord, you tip your hat to Baal, and then it rains the next day. Who did it? Who did it? Which one was it? You know what happens? The Lord said, 
he said every time, you will end up trusting the statue. You'll end up trusting Baal and not me. Why? Because it's visible and I'm invisible. That's right. Right? That you can see, touch, and you can't with me. you got to have faith. And he said every time it'll draw you away. And that's what we see over and over again. So my chronological Bible, it says that those warnings from Deuteronomy early on that we read is from about 1451 B.C. So that's almost 3,500 years ago. And we read something like that. We're thinking, well, how does this apply to us today? How, how do we use this today? We don't have these idols. Uh, we don't have these little, we don't even have city gates like they used to. We didn't have to walk in and out of the city. Uh, you know, uh, we don't have the Canaanites and different things like that. Uh, what, what, how does it apply to us today? And here's the thing. We don't see those little statues. I mean, you see it a little bit in Chinese restaurants and stuff like that. But an idol doesn't have to be a statue. It doesn't have to. It is anything that takes you, takes your focus off God, takes your trust off God, takes you to put your faith in something else. Anything that tries to take your heart or your, your you know, just all those things. An idol is any of those things. Uh, and, and John, 1 John 2.15 says this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So just like in the days of Joshua, and then later on in the days of the kings, there's always, they always had that temptation. Are we going to adopt the things of the world? Are we going to conform to the things of the world? Are we going to slowly let those things uh, change us until we're copying the way that the world lives? They allowed those Canaanites to live, and it ended up with the same idols at their own city gates. That's how it ended, And, and and away from God and everything else. Well, that warning, one of them was Deuteronomy 7. Deuteronomy 6 is the one that talks about how the word of God needs to be taught to our children. You know that one where it's uh, as you stand and you go by the way and everywhere else you need to teach the word of God. Uh, you know, write it on your hands, write it on different places. Well, verse 9 of Deuteronomy 6 says you need to write the word of God on the gates. You know what should have happened? Instead of in Israel and in Judah, instead of them having the little Baal statue, it should have had a piece of the word of God right there. So that every time they went into the city, maybe it had something there. Uh, Maybe it said, uh, uh, you know, talked about trusting God. Maybe it talked about being strong and courageous. Maybe it said, choose you this day whom you'll serve. You know, whatever they could have put on there, that would have helped people coming in and out of the city instead of being tempted by that idol. But here's the thing. We don't have control over our cities. You know, when we go in our cities, a lot of times we got these giant billboards. What are they doing? They're trying to get us to do what? The lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. They're trying to draw us to those things, right? They're trying to draw us into sin, entice us into be covetous and jealous of other things and wanting things and, and wanting us to build up ourselves. This world is trying to do things. Listen, I'm not saying we go tear down all the billboards. But I am saying the things we can control in our life, we've got to shut them out. We've got to do that. Why? Because it may not pull you away from the Lord, but it may pull your children away. That's what he said. Your sons, if you don't utterly get rid of it, it's going to encourage sin. 
And it's going to slowly steal the hearts, maybe not yours, but the next generation. But aren't you glad? I, I'm glad that the Lord said, First uh, John 2, 17, the last one I read, and the world passeth away. We're seeing that, aren't we? We are seeing it pass away each and every day. Uh, they are destroying themselves and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of yeah. God abideth yeah. forever. Psalm 1, blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, yes. and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Right. The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, and the way of the ungodly shall perish. And here's the thing. Uh, we can, if there are idols in your life, you know what King Hezekiah did? He came in and he got rid of all of them. That's right. He did exactly what God said. He got rid of every grove, every high place, everything else. And they broke them up. They knocked them down. And they did what God said. And sometimes we have to do that thing as well. So here's the thing. I'll tell you what. God blessed Hezekiah for that. And God will bless us. We root out some idols Amen. in our life. He will bless us the same way. It, 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 all it will do is be as a hindrance to your Christian life. And here's the thing. We can't prove God wrong. Like acting like we can dwell among the world and be just like them with no restrictions because we will end up conforming to this world. He says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I don't want to act like this world. I want to act like a separated. Amen. I want to act set apart, not because of what I have done, but because of what he has done. And I'm glad we got the Lord in us. So aren't you glad that even though this happened so long ago, God told them it would happen. And it made and it came to place. Amen. We can't change this nation from the top down. But I'll tell you what we can. We can change this nation one soul at a time. Tell them about Jesus Christ.